I come to this pulpit pushing back the horizon. And I would not be denied. I'll say it, and I'll say it just like the Holy Ghost gives me, and I feel a whole lot of the Holy Ghost right now. I come to this pulpit pushing back the horizon. I come with a heart full of desire. I come to this pulpit with vehement, unrelenting, undying desire. It refuses defeat. It accepts nothing but victory. And before there has ever fallen a benediction or blessing upon any individual, church or nation, it has been preceded by great searchings of heart and weighty, ardent, vehement desire, consuming passion and determined will and heavy burden and magnificent obsession and unrelenting, undying drive, intense fervency, motivation and compulsion, yearnings of heart and soul, insatiable hunger and unquenchable thirst. It's the difference between winner and loser. I come to this pulpit today pushing back the horizon. There is no substitute for desire. There is no substitute for desire. You will not pray without desire. You will not fast without desire. You can't be saved without desire. You can't stay free from sin without desire, no matter how much you pray and fast. You cannot live without desire. You can't go to heaven without desire. There is nothing better in this universe than the overcomer. You remember that, the overcomer. There is nothing better in this universe than the overcomer. The overcomer absolutely makes angels feel insignificant, and you cannot be an overcomer without desire. This is no fairy tale. This is no Cinderella's midnight ball and the coming of the prince. This is no Jack Goose that laid the golden egg. No. Whatsoever things he desires, Whatsoever things ye desire, 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 whatsoever things ye desire. When you pray, hallelujah, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Brother D said they wanted to turn me away from here last night. I'd have crawled down those aisles and sat somewhere on the floor. Brother Urson said, but your name is D. D. I wanted to say, but your name is Desire. You'll never make it in this world without Desire. And the men who have engraved their names and women are those with indomitable courage and fearless faith and Desire that was unquenchable. Hallelujah. 
And you will pardon me because I know more about myself than I do anybody else. And I stand here today as an example of not talent or ability. And I'm not trying to make you think of the individual, but I want to let you know the only reason I stand here is not circumstance, family, nor background, nor talent, nor ability. I stand here because of a desire that is inexplainable that won't even let me sleep. And I don't apologize. I just say, oh God, give my body strength to complete that desire that won't let me sleep, that wells up in my soul, wells up in my soul, day and night. And when I was six years of age, I received this wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. I had something that I didn't understand that was turning over with rapid speed inside of me. I wanted to do something for God. I wanted to do something for God. I wanted to live for Him. It wasn't the most attractive way. My mother took me out of a meeting one time. I don't want to talk about it. Somebody filled the pulpit that she didn't want me to hear things that was being said. I looked up at her and I said, Mama, when I get big, I want something better than this. There was a desire in my soul to do it bigger and better and more beautiful and do things for Jesus Christ. I wanted to play music. I didn't have the talent nor the ability. I didn't have the lessons. I sat down with an old Spiegel catalog and picked me out a 698 guitar. My daddy ordered it for me. Hallelujah. Paid for it a dollar down and a dollar a month. And I got me a chord book and I learned to play that guitar. I played it in the church. I played it on the street corner. I played it here and I played it there. I didn't know how to play the piano, but I got me a little book and learned some chords. I got me an accordion and I learned some chords. And I just kept, I heard Jack Hutchins play the piano and they said he was great. And I tried to run out of keys just like he did. He would run off of the keyboard. I tried to run off of the keyboard. They said you had to pull that accordion big. I pulled it big. They said you had to sing to be a good Pentecostal. I didn't have a melodious voice. But I, I could make it loud, and that seemed to be all they wanted. And so I just sang it loud. I just felt this desire. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to sing. I wanted to play the piano. I wanted to play the guitar. There were only three accordions in Pentecost in those days. Uh, Sister Urchin had one. I think Sister Dees had one. And I think I had one. That's all the accordions uh, we had in Pentecost. You could just do anything you wanted to do. Just get up and cry. It didn't have to be good. Just pull it loud and strong. You didn't have to sing pretty. Just let your veins stick out and give it all you had. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Old Sister Thomas in Huntington, Texas. My father brought in a work there, and uh, she wanted to hurt him, and the glory would come, and here I was a little old girl, and it was bad, hard time. She'd offer me a quarter to shout. I said, huh, I don't need your quarter, but I'll shout anyhow, and i just shout. The desire was in my soul, a desire to do something on the street corner. Yes, it was an eager beaver. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what it is, but there's a drive that will not be satisfied. I want it. I want it. I got to have it. 
There's no substitute for it. You don't have to stop until you get what you want. You can be anything you want if you want to be a better. And you'll never make it without desire. When you get through praying, you got to get up on your feet with desire to go do it. When you get through with all your fasting, you still got to get up on your feet and go do it. It's not coming to you. There's no substitute for desire. So, I met a man, 17 years of age, I was. I met this man, challenged my life. Unusable man, remarkable, amazing. At 23 years of age, I saw him under an old hot tent. We were not allowed to be together in the daytime and hardly at night. I saw him in Zavala, Texas. I was looking from my west's window, bedroom window. I watched him. I saw him as he sat there in that old hot tent with his Bible out on that altar and his legs crossed. I saw him stay there all day, every day. I would watch him as he went to the pulpit at night and sling that black hair and preach 15 to 20 minutes. But I saw people fill the altars and a hundred people get the Holy Ghost in that revival in that little town, nine and ten a night, 32 years ago. This challenged me. Yes, I got the Holy Ghost when I was six years of age. And so when this man looked at me and asked me to become his helpmeet, he said to me, I find the potentials in you that will help my ministry. But I want you to know this. I purposed a long time ago. I'm a man for God, and you won't get in my way, and I won't get in the way of God's purpose or plan. It's victory or death with me. I've got a desire, and I will carry out that desire. Now, if you want me on those bases, I'm just not an ordinary man. I won't preach you in an ordinary way, because I don't live an ordinary life. And if God doesn't want me to have you, he can kill you or kill me. I said, no, Gerald, he won't have to kill me. If you don't want me, somebody else does. I don't want to die. He said, but it's just that serious. It's just that serious. My ministry is just that serious. I've got a purpose. And if there are any fence stragglers here today, you will never arrive until you jump on one side or the other. Never. Never arrive. I watched him go on a seven-day fast once a year. It wasn't just a spasmodic uh, thing. It was something that was arranged in his mind the day he got the Holy Ghost or three weeks later. I watched him. I saw him fast one, two, three, and four days every week. I was challenged by this life. When we were married, I couldn't testify. I couldn't hardly sing. I could hardly chord on this accordion. But I was ready. I was there. I was willing. I was on time. It was time to put away childish things. It was time to cease to be a little girl. I had to become a woman. I had to take my role as a minister's wife. I had to stand up and be counted. I had to be on deck when he was on deck. I had to be there, but that desire was not what it ought to be. I loved to watch him perform, and I sat back, but something kept gnawing on me. He said, you can't even testify. You get your words all mixed up. You're trying to memorize your testimony. You need a new experience with God. I said, Gerald, I'll go after it and get it with prayer and with fasting. I'll never forget it. The late Brother Evan, uh, 28 years ago in that front bedroom in Lake Charles, Louisiana, after a few days of denying myself as a young girl, I woke up 
there was something had broke loose on the inside of me, indescribable and inexplainable. I woke him up and I said, Gerald, I don't know what's happening to me, but something has broke loose in my life. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. I went from that place. I never left the altar. I never left this or I never left that. I was there till the end. I met them on the streets. I talked to them everywhere I found them. Oh, that desire had come to my life in a greater and a more wonderful way. And now it's springing up. It's springing up. It's springing up. Give me, give me, give me. I want it. Let me testify. Now let me sing with power. Now let me pray with in the Holy Ghost. Now let me uh, testify with the anointing. I've got that desire now. I will not be stopped. It's my desire. It's my desire. In order to be something, you've got to do something. And you won't do something without desire. It's my desire. Say that with me. It's my desire. It was like three or four years later when born out of a long fast, Brother Mannion looked at me and said, we are going to Alexandria. God has given me that city. We're going to Alexandria. I don't care who's in there. I don't care what their decision is. God spoke to me in an audible voice and said, I'm sending you to Alexandria and I'm going to give you that city. When we landed in this city, 35 people voted on us with a four-month-old baby boy, loaded him in the back seat of the car, took somebody with me, and Brother Manny and I with this key covered this city for the first time. Brother Phillips was 10 or 11 years old. Uh, it, the revival broke. The revival broke. The house became too small. The, the, uh, uh, the altars were filled every day, every night, going through the streets, baptizing them day and night, praying them through in the home, couldn't hardly wait for every service to see what God was going to do. Why? Because every three months there was inaugurated a week of uninterrupted prayer, trading three-hour shifts. There were those that had followed this continual prayer and fasting, and so the city heard about it. And uh, they had never heard in this church of praying one hour. They had never heard of fasting. They had never heard a message of tongues and interpretation. And Sister Kraft was the first one ever used in a message of tongues and interpretation. They had never heard of it. What broke the stranglehold on a church where they had to pass the place to pay the light bill? What broke the stranglehold on a church? What was it? Somebody with purpose and desire that said, it give me victory or give me death. I will do it before I'll back up. I will not accept defeat. I will not accept defeat. I will not be controlled by the few. And that was the good old days when they voted on you every year. That was the good old days when they uh, uh, absolutely had their children. If you didn't preach what they wanted you to preach, they had you to boycott. They had them to boycott the services. It was a day far different than this day of revival. But I'm telling you, if prayer and fasting, personal evangelism, witnessing and giving, never been taught to give, never been taught to pray or to fast, had never heard any of the gifts of the Spirit, 
but prayer, fasting, worship, witnessing, giving, broke the stranglehold on a church, penetrated a city, electrified a whole community. Perennial, concerted, organized efforts of evangelism. I saw them in their homes pray through. I saw them on the streets. I saw them all over that city. When was that? Almost 24 years ago. Now sitting on the corner of Rapids and Mars stands a cathedral uh, coming through those doors uh, is a good uh, representation of the strata of society in that entire community. All are blessed. Many are healed. Thousands have been saved. What is it? Somebody with purpose and desire that would not take no for an answer that put into operation the New Testament doctrine and the New Testament method. And it worked because it was born out of desire and passion and will. Every noble work is at first impossible. Cowards die many times before their death. But the valiant only die once. You only have one time to die. That's all. I want to let you know this in that city today. There is this. There was uh, two weeks ago a black bishop stopped our buses and said, don't come into this community. And uh, the children said, but we will not go anywhere. He said, but you won't live in this project. Brother Mangan went to the mayor's office. Am I doing anything wrong? What do you mean are you doing anything wrong? If you're doing anything wrong, we'll change the laws of this city to accommodate that church that's reaching this community in this area. What is it? Desire that will not be satisfied. Hunger, hunger, thirst that is unquenchable. I will have it. It's victory or it is death. Amen. Hallelujah. Is it talent? Is it ability? Is it circumstances? No, it's a desire, and there's no substitute for desire. And Eliza Cook said it like this in her poem: Where there's a will, there's a where there's a will, where there's a desire, the hills have been high for man's mounting, the woods have been dense for man's axe, the stars have been thick for his counting, the sands have been wide for his track, the sea has been deep. For his diving, the poles have been broad for his sway, but bravely he's proved in his striving that where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a desire, there's a sky lab. Have you poverty peaking to cope with? The suffering way down your might. Only call up a spirit to hope with, and dawn may come out of the night. For much may be done by defying the ghost of despair and dismay, and much may be gained by relying on where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a desire, you will arrive. Where there is a desire, you will arrive. Where there is a will, there's a way. You read it again, that famous race between the hare and the turtle, or the rabbit and the turtle. The rabbit had everything going his way, and he laid down and went to sleep, but that old turtle just kept pushing and striving and struggling and reaching and desiring and he won the race and he arrived. You may be a turtle and you may not have the great mind and you may not have all the talent and the ability and you may not can speak it 
so well or sing it so well, but if you've got these eyes, I promise you, you will arise. between winner and loser where there's a desire there's going to be a way if you want to you can say it with me if I want to I can whatsoever things you desire whatsoever things you desire whatsoever things you desire I read in this book of a little woman yes a Gentile a Canaanite a Sarah Phoenician woman with a child who needed the master's attention he said, it's not the latter rain nor the former rain. It's not dispensationally possible. He said, but I'll get it anyhow because I've got desire. If you want it, you can have it. You don't have it because you don't want it. You're where you are because you want to be there and you're content to stay there. You don't have to stay there. Push back the horizons. Push back the horizons. Where there's a will, there's a way. Come on, turtles. Let the rabbits lie down and go to sleep. Let the churches crumble. Let this old world be destroyed. We're coming through. It may be a painful process, but where there is a desire, there's a way. Desire, optimism, faith. One man said it was like a dead man eating a rooster who scratched over his grave. You just don't stop them. Death doesn't stop them. Elisha died and was buried, but his desire lived on in his bones. He got his desire even after he was dead. I want it. Moses referred to Judah's plea and entreaty before Joseph 400 years after Judah pled for his brother Benjamin. And it was such a strong plea that it has even been used in our courtrooms of today. He became surety. He became bondman. He said, I'll take his place. I want to let you know desire will change an old judge's cold, hard heart. And here I stand today, whatsoever things I desire, I will stand as bondmen. I will stand as surety. Don't you pass me by. It may not be the former rain or the latter rain. It may not be the season for revival, but I'm coming after it, and I don't have to be denied. Mr. Wallace E. Johnson, Memphis, Tennessee, chairman of the board of the Holiday Inns Incorporation, said, I do not have any difficulties. I've never had a problem. I don't have any difficulties. All of mine are opportunities. Whatever I face is just an opportunity. And that is the secret of our growth. And we're expecting every day because we don't have sad stories. We don't have hard luck stories. We don't have difficulties. We have nothing but victory. We have nothing but advantages. We have nothing but what is it? What is it? What is it? Everything is an opportunity. Hallelujah. Martin Luther, 
son of a poverty-stricken miner, had no friends. He was not popular. He was unknown. He had no social recognition. He set Europe ablaze. He humbled the proudest hierarchy that has ever been known on the face of this earth. One man named Martin Luther. What about it, Pentecostal? What did he have that we don't have? And he challenged the whole world and said, I just thought one time to die. It might as well be now then. I just soon die now. You won't know the difference whether it's 30 or 100. Just one time to die. And he did it. Don't tell me he didn't do it. He did it. And John Calvin worked in weariness and constant pain. He never did look back. He never quit. He never complained. Most men would have canceled out. But he gave this planet a system of thought that it would do you well to read today. It takes heart. It takes desire. You've got to want to be a good preacher. You've got to want to build a church. You've got to want to be the best evangelist. Is it hard to say that's the best? Does it hurt to say that you've got to want to be a good preacher? You've got to want to read this book. You've got to pour over these scriptures. It wouldn't hurt if you read it until your eyes ran and became sore and red and bleeding. It wouldn't hurt what you did in order if it were legitimate to become the best preacher this world had ever heard. You've got to know the book. You've got to read the Bible. I have a wonderful treasure given to me by God without measure. And we're going to travel together, my Bible and I, written by 44 different writers over a period of 1,600 years on many different subjects. One laid down his pen and another one took it up. There are no mistakes. There are no contradictions. That's easy to answer. There are none. What is it? You've got to have desire to pick this up and become the best and know it. Know it from cover to cover. Read it through again and again. Study it day and night. Pray and pass and wet it down with salty tears. Come to the pulpit on fire. It'll work in any man's city or any church. You gotta want to. Airplanes rise as they move down the runway against. Say against. Say against. You gotta come against it. You gotta go against it. You gotta wanna do it. You gotta struggle. You gotta fight. You gotta suffer. You gotta desire it. If you want it, you can have it. No matter what it costs, you'll go after it. It takes the fight. It takes the struggle. It takes reverse circumstances to bring out the best in every one of us. Louis Braille lost both eyes. In his father's tarnish shop, lost both eyes at three years of age. At 20, he was teaching in a blind school. He said, I will give a system to the blind people to read. Uh, I, I will give them a system by which they can read. Oh, Louis Braille, blind at three, but said, I have a desire to help the people of my kind. There sits a young man in this audience, a doctor of medicine, reared in Alexandria, took his oath as a doctor, 12 years of study. He is in Freeport uh, today practicing medicine. He is advancing quickly, but not to the forsaking of his spirituality. Oh, no. But that young man, when we gave him a day of honor for making a doctor of medicine, that young man, and I want you to stand right now. I just want you to look at him. Stand up quickly. Dr. Hathorn. Thank you. And he sat down. And that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it then, Pete. Dr. Hathorn is his name. And that's it. But he struggled and he fought. And he almost lost his mind because he held on to God. But when he got there and took his oath, 
I can't tell you that oath, but he can tell you that oath. And if ever one of us would even abide by the oath that we took when we told God our will, and I'll not stop. Where there's a will, there's a way. Jacob said, I want that birthright, and he got it. He got it. You criticize him all you want to, but he got it. He wanted it, and he got it. He wanted it, and he got it. And where there's a desire, you're going to get it. Why does this have to suffer? Why do you desire it in everything else? Whatever it is, material things or anything, you get it. And you struggle and you weep and you work hard day and night to get it. And you die trying to give it and she dies wanting it. And here we are today with the advantages of heaven whatsoever things you desire. Whenever you pray, ask and you're going to get it. It cost him a trail of misfortune. He was sick scurrying from his home. He never saw his sweet mother's face again. Never did he see his mother again. Never did he see his mother again. The birthright cost him that. He had a stone for a pillow. The birthright cost him that. He never, 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 never saw his mother again. I want that to sink in. He had a stone for a pillow. Laban deceived him. He suffered the kidnapping of his favorite son. And his other sons were mean and tough and profane and caused him a lot of trouble. He ended his days living on charity. But with a desire, he came through a champion. He had a wrestling match with an angel of God and came out the victor. Stood upon his feet and God said, he's a prince with God. He prevailed, standing on his feet a prince. And from his loins came the seed of the nation that the devil cannot annihilate. He tried every way he can from the and the land of Jacob. The nation was born because he desired the birthright. He died with the birthright. He died the father of Israel. Balaam said, I wish I could die like he died. And God said, I'm not ashamed to be called his God. What was he? Just a man with what? Just a man with desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord, just one, and that I'm going to seek after and I'm going to get it. Tell me about Deborah. Tell me about Jochebed. Think. Tell me about Esther. They were not sitting on a pedestal. Oh, beautifully clothed and everybody passing by and say, aren't they pretty? And aren't they beautiful? Everybody likes to wave flags, but not many wants to pick up the sword. And everybody that's a Christian, whether you're a man or a woman, you've got to unsheath a sword once in a while. You've got to get in the fight of the battle or you're going down. I don't care whether it's a man or a woman. Deborah, Jochebed, Esther, Miriam, Mary, the mother of the Lord God Almighty's body. Oh, yeah, with an unbelievable record of victory simply because they had unquenchable desire. Read Joan of Arc, ladies. Read Florence Nightingale. Read Sally Marley's book on the end time revival. A little old nobody with desire that has given us something that when she's dead and gone, the desire will live on and on. 
in all of your getting, get desire. In all of your reaching and whatever you want in life, the best thing you can have is desire. Because you can't even go to heaven without desire. You can't do anything for God without desire. And you can do anything you want to if you've got desire. Jesus Christ burning white hot zeal was so terrible to behold that when his disciples saw it, they said, the zeal, the desire of his father's house hath eaten him up. It's destroying him. He's got such a desire that it is absolutely eating him up. Say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's desire burnt him out. He was burnt out. Just one time to die. Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications, did it with strong desire, strong crying, strong weepings and wailings and tears and weighty and ardent desire. Every morning he awakened to an unexampled ardor and fervor and enthusiasm and challenge every day. Every day, rising up a great while before every day, he went out to the mountains there to pray. How far he had to go, I do not know. But he prayed for the Pharisees. He prayed for the Sadducees. He wept over that ill-fated city of Jerusalem. Oh, yes, he did. He loved, and I want to love like he loved. I wish I could love like he loved. I wish I could pray like he prayed. I wish I could reach like he reached. His was not the 40-hour week. He didn't keep office hours. Oh, no. He spent his days reaching the lost, and he prepared for the next day while other men slept. That was your Lord and mine. Now try to call yourself a Christian and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who fasted 40 days. I'm not telling you to fast 40 days. I dare say I could go seven days, but I will tell you this. There's somebody out in front that has gone a long way, that has given me desire, and I want to do it just as good as I possibly can physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. I want to do just as much as I can possibly do. I have desire. He refused to go forth to teach or to preach until he had spent nights, say nights, say nights, in prayer. Most of his nights were spent in prayer. Most of his days were spent saving, healing, restoring, blessing. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. I must work while it is day. My life is so abbreviated. I want to do it great. I want to do it thorough, but I want to do it quick. I've got to hurry, hurry, hurry. The night cometh when no man can work. Don't talk about it. Don't get caught up. Don't say, I'm going to do it. Go home and do it. Prove to your own self you can do it. Don't let anything stop you. If you can talk it, then go do it. If you can tell it, then go show it. If you want to be something, go do something. When he cried it is finished, a kingdom was born. A kingdom was established that will never be destroyed and that will destroy all the kingdoms of this world that was God's desire affected. 
And now all of his followers with the same desire will continue to do both what he taught and what he exampled. And he taught you, and then he did it. And now he said, now I'll leave it with you. Go do it. And what I did, you can do. And greater things than these, whatsoever you desire when you pray, you can have it. It's yours. I desire it. It's my desire. Where there's a desire, there's going to be a way. Whatever you want, you're going to produce. Whatever you want, you can have. Oh, I believe it. 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 I will. I will. I must. I desire. I'll not stop. I won't be defeated. I will. It's going to come. It will come. For there lived a man on this planet who turned his back upon everything that he had and was to embrace Jesus Christ and to spread this gospel to his then-known world. His name was the Apostle Paul. No, he was not tall and handsome and good-looking and suave. He was not Mr. Personality. He must have been ugly in appearance. He wasn't photogenic. He says his presence was weak and his speech was contemptible. Probably sore running eyes or facial distortion of some sort or kind. He must have been repulsive to men and he was sensitive about it. He asked God to remove it again and again. There's always something to hold you back. There's always something you can use as an excuse. There's always something to hold you back. There's always something you can whine and pine about. There's always an embarrassing situation. There's always something you gotta go over. There's always something that can hold you back, break out of your chains, reach into your left and reach into your right and throw your coat off and go after it. <laughs> Sam Houston's mother looked at him when he left home and said, I'd rather you'd fall into a grave than to ever show the enemy your back. Don't you ever run from the enemy. You fall in a grave, don't ever show him your back. You go from comfort to comfort. Just fall dead before you give up. You know what Paul said? None of these things. Listen to me, Brother D. Listen. None of these things. 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 Plus, forty stripes of the Jews, five times received thy forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of the waters, in perils of the robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, even unto this present hour, we do both hunger and thirst, and we're naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, persecuted, defamed. We are made as the filth of the world, 
and to the offscouring of all the things unto this day, but none of these things. None of these things. Well, I am persuaded. I've got to be done. My mind's made up. i got a goal. i got a purpose. It's victory or death. I just got one time to die. I'm a valiant man. I'm not a coward. Oh, hallelujah. None of these things move me, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall ever be able to separate me from my desire. Hallelujah. Which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. None of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to stop my desire. There's just one thing that moves me, just one. But none of these things move me, but there's just one thing that moves me. I want to talk about it. Just one thing moves me. These things don't move me. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be suave and miss or miss the personality. You just got to get your working clothes on and go after it. And it'd be better if some of you wants to pretty. Think in four days. No good for nothing, just by the mercy of God. And a man like the Apostle Paul tells you all of this and said, none of these things move me. Women or men or nothing else. Don't talk about whether you had it good or bad. Just one thing moves me. That's all. And I'll become anything. I'll become anything. It's not a data process either, friend. It's a love affair. And it culminates in a convulsion called the new birth. And if you don't love them, you will never reach them. You will never reach them. And you've got a desire to reach them and they feel this. It's mouth to mouth. It's heart to heart. It's life to life. It's death to death. We're in it together, this soul and I. And that's all that moves me. None of these other things affect me. I don't care whether I have or don't have. None of that's important. It's soon over. That don't move me. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, I'll tell you what moves me. A soul without a savior. A city without a witness. A continent that's never been preached to. Oh, a church without a shepherd or a pastor or a red-hot evangelist. That's what moves me. And now somebody else needs to talk on that, but it needs to be laid out, and whoever's got the nerve to do it ought to get up and do it. And I'll stop if you want me to, but Paul said that's all that moves me. What moves me is preachers that scaredy cats that won't sell out 
that won't give up anything to reach a city or a continent or a world. That's all that moves me. Paul said, I'll send them home, their mama babies. I don't want no part of them. They're not good soldiers. Get out of my way. Get home. Go home. Get your feelings hurt. Weighing every word. Figuring it all out. See what it's all going to come to. Paul said, just get out of my way. I'm after souls. That's all it means. And I'll go through anything. I'll become anything. And I'll do anything to reach them. I want you to say that. I'll go through anything. I'll become anything. I'll do anything to reach them. When you do that, you'll stir any city and electrify any church. Cities wholly given to idolatry move me. Villages, hamlets, nations. Tribes and nations, no witness. They move me. They keep me awake at night. Pain and suffering and journeys and stoned and left for dead doesn't move me. But sinners without a savior, man lost and going to hell and nobody to reach them. Cities that somebody is satisfied with the status quo. Cities where somebody is afraid to get out and sell out and move out and give up and sell out and give up. Voices of despair move me. Come over and help us. I desire to be accursed. If only I can reach them. Paul, you're beside thyself. No, that's my desire that's eating you up. One of the greatest stories he ever wrote. He and Silas were in Philippi. Let's don't talk about why they were there. We know. Let's don't talk about why all of this happened. We know. But here they are with swollen, beaten with rods of the mixer's lines, bloody, musty, rat infested, all oh, the sick they were in. Say the inner prison. Say the inner prison. I guess that's a good platform for revival. I guess that's a good night to write history. It doesn't look like it, does it? Oh, glory. Do you hear them grumbling? Do you hear them running everybody else down? Do you hear them criticizing everybody? Do you hear them talking or complaining? No, we're going to hear something, though, in a minute. Just keep listening. Because Paul said, we will not look at our difficulties, Silas. We will not look at our difficulties. We will not measure the height of these walls. Neither will we. Neither will we. <laughs> we will not look at the height of these walls. Nor will we cut away the giant. Nor will we look at any of this. The inner prison is indescribable. The inner prison is indescribable. But Paul said, I'll tell you this. I will remember the Lord God who split the Red Sea and who's the God of the cloud and the fire. That's what I'll do. And I know this, that you can't curse the darkness. There's only one thing that takes care of the darkness, and that's the... So I'll light a little torch. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's sing. I know it's midnight. I know it's midnight, but I'm going to start singing praises unto the Lord. I'm going to use everything I've got. Now, my hands are in stock. Feet in bonds or, 
and, uh, and uh, beating and blood running and all of this, that I can wiggle my fingers and I can wiggle my toes and uh, I've got a mouth. So whatever I've got, I'm not going to wait for the big moment. I'm not going to wait for the big things. I'm not going to wait for the big things. I can wiggle my fingers. I can use my tongue. I can sing and so they just start singing. And when they started singing, Paul and Silas found him dead. Jesus came and he went there bad. You ought to have the Holy Ghost a long time ago, drinking off the wine. Paul and Silas found in jail. Jesus came and he went there bail. You ought to start singing a long time ago, talking about the Lord. Hold it just a minute and we're not near about through. You can sit down just a minute. We'll start all over again in a minute. Because listen, folks with desire, folks that will pray and sing and shout and witness and give, folks that will pray and fast and witness and give and worship, they will fill their altars in any town. And people will be crying out, Sir, what must we do to be saved? Now I want you to hear this. God heard that song. 
The angels heard that song. They're going to hear us too. Do you hear me? The prisoners heard that song. The Philippian jailer heard that song. His family heard that song. The city of Philippi heard that song. The continent of Europe heard that song. And now the whole world heard that song. You ought to started singing a long time ago, a drinking of the wine, the Holy Ghost wine. Turn that, turn that place of torture into a cathedral of triumph and set that city and that continent ablaze. Who did it? Say, a handcuffed man. Say it with me. Say, a handcuffed man. Say, a chained, chained Break those chains and throw them down and stomp them and burn on them and get rid of them. That's what God said here a few moments ago. Push back the horizon. How do you do it? Sing when it's your time to sing. Write history even if it's not time to write it. Sing when you don't feel like singing. You can't defeat them. You can't stop them. Their desire is only their bones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bound, four-eyed, hunchback, contemptible, weak physically, wrote the largest part of the New Testament since the Roman Empire from Genesis to circumference and lit a light of this glorious gospel in every corner of that vast domain. He crumbled the Roman Empire, this little old tiny, sore-eyed, ugly little, weak little man, handcuffed in bonds and staff. None of these things move me, just one thing, and I'm going to ask it, and I'm going to have Go after it. Go after it. If you've got desire, you'll come back with it. Or you may be hanging with a lip. You may be emaciated. You may not. You may look like something fit for the garbage pail, but you will have accomplished your assignment on this planet. Covered age in two and a half years. Said, I'll meet you the judgment. I'm ready to face God for everybody on this planet. Your blood's not on my hands. I'm through with you. I got rid of my goods. Now I'm going home. <laughs> You're not quite ready to go yet, are you? No, I'm not. You hear me? I'm not ready to go, and nobody in here is ready to go. You may think you are. Oh, yeah, God's getting us all ready for something quick and big, just as sure as I'm standing here. But you will look back on this and you'll say, we thought we were ready, but we weren't ready. But it's going to happen because we're going to get ready. So God's got ways of stripping us if we won't strip ourselves. A grip was set of him. Listen to me. This man should have settled for less. This man should have quit a whole lot sooner than he quit and got out a whole lot cheaper. This man should have settled for. This man should have settled for. He could have quit a whole lot sooner than he quit. There's no quitting place. Don't tell me about it. There is no quitting place. I've got an example. I don't want to give it. You can't quit. Uh-uh. He could have quit sooner if he had not appealed to. But I want to read his mandate to you. For there should by me this is. The angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, Habasata, 
Thou must, thou must, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all of them that are with thee. Before I get out of this life, I will stand before my Caesar. The mandate's clear to me. There's a Caesar just in front of me. But I'll crumble my Caesar by the help and by the grace of God. With desire, Caesar's coming down. Paul said, I should have stopped sooner. But I want to face him. I want to press this gospel. And I'm going to Caesar and I'm going to crumble my Caesar. Because the angel of God told me he'd go with me. And if he goes with me, I'll go anywhere. This kind can turn this world upside down. This kind can take a thousand. This kind can take ten thousand friends. This kind can electrify any church. And don't compare yourself by nobody else and say, well, this is so and so that bit, and this and that bit. You don't care what the others do. Get your design, get your purpose, and you go after it. And you do it because God said it. You get God's direction. Don't you be affected by other people's convictions and their whims and their desires and what they think and their personalities and what they tell you. Get your purpose in life. You swear off with this old world and the devil. And God Almighty will stand to you and find out which direction he's going and get going in his direction. And he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. And you don't need nobody but God. And if you'll get God, you can go straight through, find straight ahead. Are you telling us not to honor, not to do this? I'm not telling you not to do anything that this Bible teaches you to do, but this mandate is clear. We've got to reach this world and somebody's got to do it. One man dared to stand before Caesar, just one. And he asked for the privilege. And he can shake a whole continent. And I want to leave this scripture. The cost is great. Heavenly. Say that with me. Great, heavenly, and continual. Continual. But it's my desire. Give me victory. Give me that city. Give me that city. The mayor told Brother Mangan Monday at noon at a luncheon. Brother Mangan, I heard about your message Sunday night was a week ago. It kept the fire department. It kept the streets and parks department. It kept every department in our city. What you preach and stand for down there is penetrating into every department of this city. Twenty-four years ago, God said, go down, I'll give you the city. Give me a picture, give me death. Great heaviness and continual thought. I don't eat bread as other men eat. I can't help but say it. The cost is great heaven and some continual fire. Everybody in this audience would like to see God break loose in your circumstances. Wouldn't you? You long for a spiritual earthquake. You need a demonstration of God's power and glory in your home or life. In your church, you need a move of God. Only you can bring it. It starts here. It starts here. And that's why God said, curse you, you bind your people. You're the ones to mourn and to howl, and it's to start with us. And if you don't example, and if you don't do it, they won't hear a thing you say, and you can hardly blame them. They've got their jobs to tend to. 
and they go eight hours a day, how do you expect them to listen to you? When you don't do it, they're not going to do it, and you shouldn't hardly blame them only unless somebody's got a desire to just rise up and go on over. Something within you is waiting to be released. Something within you wants to be unloosed. You say, I have limited resources. I don't have any talents or abilities. You have forgotten that God said, I have chosen the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, go ask it, and you can have them. Jesus asked that man who had had an infirmity for 38 years, do you want to get well? Do you desire to get up off of that bed of difficulty? Do you desire to walk? Do you desire to get up? Well, I do, but I don't have no man when the waters trouble to put me into the pool. When I'm going, another one gets in front of me. It's the story of my life. When I start, somebody else runs in front of me. I wanted to do it, but they run ahead of me. I tried, but I just couldn't quite make it. I've been trying for 38 years, but somebody always putting me down, knocking me down, talking about me, running in front of me. They won't let me get there. They hold me back. They criticize me. They say this about me. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get up? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to do something? Do you want to preach? Do you want to have revivals? Do you want to say so? Well, I tried so many times. I guess I've just been rough all my life. I guess I said I don't have no trouble. I don't have no ability. I don't have nothing. I guess I can try. Do you want to get up off of that bed? Are you tired of lying there? Are you tired of lying there? It's never too late. It's not too late. Will thou be made whole here today? Do you want an earthquake? Do you want a revival? Do you want to do something? You know what Jesus said? Get up. Get up. Get up. Do you want it? So all you got to do is desire it. Get up. The meal will never grind with water that is passed. You might as well forget what you left at home and go home and start grinding with the water of today and forget yesterday and what everybody else has done and you go home and do it. One of the great heavyweight champions of all time set the motto which said, Fight just one more round, and you'll come out again. Just fight one more. Just fight one more. And you read that evidence. Just fight one more. Fight one more. It rallied him in his arms. Seemed like he couldn't lift him one more time. Just fight one more round. His limbs were too weary to move. It brought him out of his corner when he would have rather died because every muscle was recanting and recalling and saying, Don't take me back out to me one more time. But desire cried out, out just one more round. And he came out a champion and a winner. It's the difference between winner and loser. And they'll tell me today when I have convenient season, 
because that time never came. And I'm sure. And I'll show you something. Last week, Mr. Harden Lewis, he's a cattleman and an airman in Alexandria. He ran for sheriff. So because of the great man who fills that office, Harden made a terrific sheriff. But he didn't quite mess it. But last week, his nine-year-old son was duck hunting in their big, beautiful place. He got on his horse, he and his little buddy, and they were setting out decoys, and his horse stumbled, and the little hardened nine-year-old boy slid off the horse, landed in the water, headed deep, he never came up. Harden Lewis called for Brother Mangan. We were out of town when we got back, when we went to the funeral home. It was the day for the funeral. When we walked in, there were, there were people there from all over that part of the country. There they stood. Mrs. Lewis stepped, emerged from the crowd, came and fell on me and Brother Mangan. We marched her to the coffin for this beautiful little boy in his denim suit and his beautiful little collar. Beautiful, beautiful. I never saw, I never saw anything really more beautiful than for that to be death, and it just didn't look like death. It was just too beautiful. Brother Mangan prayed for her, and I felt strength leave him and go to her. And uh, there, where he was talking in tongues, and here's all this pity, here they all are, crowded, watching, looking. And I felt strength go into this woman. You've got to have something to transmit something. In order to transfer, you've got to get it before you can transfer it or communicate it. It's got to be yours before you can give it. And you've got to care and care a whole lot, and people know when you care. And there we prayed. And when we got through, she said, and she said, Brother Marion, pardon me, you worse than I need you. Crazy. I don't know. He hid out somewhere. Um, she called a man there to take Brother Marion. Pardon me, a kid in one of those rooms upstairs. Brother Mangan went to him. He just told me the rest of the story, but let me tell you the rest of the story. I stood there with her, and she bent over this side, and she, she reached to his face, and she loved him, and she kissed him in the mouth, and she said, Baby, you know that Mama tried to get to you, don't you? You know that. You know I tried to reach you, don't you? I, I, I didn't hear it soon enough. I ran just as fast as I could go when I did hear it, but I just didn't hear it soon enough. Mama tried to get to you, but baby, you know that, don't you? You know Mama tried to get there. When I stood there and listened to that woman, I said, Oh, God, somehow let me cut a slip and a knee. That's something that will send me to the dying bedside and let me go into these homes of fresh and a knee. I've got to be reignited every day. I've heard it. I know it. I can get to them. I don't have to wait. I don't have to say it. I didn't hear it. I didn't know it. I do know. And they're sticking through our hands by the thousands every day. In your city, they're gone. You'll never reach them. You will never reach them. Many of them will pass out of your cities today. You will never reach them. But if I could have, baby, I would have gotten to you. Of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest of these, it might I could have done it, but I stopped too soon. I could have done it, but I 
just didn't want to give any more strength to it. I got tired of doing it. I got sick of doing it. I met difficulty, and I stood back, and I said, take it. I don't want no more of it. You can have it. But when you come face to face with something else, you're going to say, oh, God, if I had only known it was like this, I would have, I would have shaken that old world off like a dirty garment, and I would have sold out, and I would have given you everything, but without desire, folks, you're not going to do it. Somebody in here today has got, a, got to get a new grip on desire. And I talked to somebody here today that came, and you intended to throw your hands up and give completely up. And you said, if this meeting don't do it, I'm through. You're here today in court. You stand up. That's not the only one. There's others here. There are others here that you have put. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. I've got to have it or I'm going to throw my hands up. And all of you getting, you've got to get these eyes. Head bowed. Eyes closed.
Jesus! 